This is Daryl Wood, host of Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show on Faith Talk 1500. First, let me say this show is your show. That's why no matter what I discuss or which guests I interview, your input is valued. If it's in the news, on TV, or at the movies, whether political, social, economic, or whatever, at some point I'm talking about it on Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show, Monday through Thursday from 4 to 6 p.m. on Faith Talk 1500. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real Life Christian Church. Real life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real life messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper. I call this message the Great Reduction. And we're going to look today at John chapter 1. At a very profound passage. I mean, good grief, there is so much in here. So much in John chapter 1, verse 1. And then we'll jump to verse 14, and we can only scratch the surface of this whole thing. If you look at John chapter 1, verse 1, it reads like this. In the beginning was the Word. And notice the Word. Word, Word is capitalized. It refers to Christ. And the Word was with God And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So in the beginning was the Word. What's in the beginning? What's that? That's the beginning of creation, time, space, and matter. Now, folks, you got to let your mind stretch here about God. In the beginning was the Word. And this is very interesting because the Greek word for word is logos, L-O-G-O-S. And we get our word logical from that word, logos, and to the very intellectual mind, the logos was the rational principle of the universe. I mean, it was a very deep concept, and we're going to see that John takes this and makes it very personal. The Word, capital W, is another name for the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity. Jesus Christ himself is the Word that the Bible is talking about here. He was there with God the Father at creation. John 1, 1 makes that point. And he's called the Word because he declares or reveals the Father, but also because he spoke the creation into being. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God the Father at the beginning of creation, but he was God, meaning he always was God, meaning he's uncreated. Now, you see, I've said this so many times before, but out of all the the doctrinal things we deal with, that takes my mind to the limit more than any other thing, anything else, that the Word of God, God himself, the divine trinity, is uncreated. That just stretches me to the limit because I always say, I always say to myself, how can something be and never have begun. And that's the greatness of our God. Stretch your mind about God. How big is God? He's infinite in all he is. Infinite means limitless. And every every character attribute he has, God is limitless. His power is limitless. So is his wisdom. His presence is limitless. He fills his creation and beyond. His love is limitless. His grace is limitless. I'll look at Psalm 147, verse 4. He determines the number of stars, so he determines how many stars there's going to be. And then it says, and he calls each by name. 
So he determines how many there are. There's a perfect plan to the universe. He creates them, and then he names them, and he remembers their name. I have a hard time remembering your names. See, God the Father designed the creation. God the Father designed the solar system. He designed the hummingbird. The hummingbird's wings flutter at 750 times per second. He designed the woodpecker who has special tissue in the head to pat its brain and a special muscle in the back of its neck so it doesn't rattle its brains when it's pecking on wood. And rational people, people with thinking minds, look at stuff like that, and, and they believe in evolution. And when I, when I think about stuff like that, 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 that you can look at a hummingbird or look at a woodpecker or look at the design, look at the solar system, and believe in a haphazard chance process of evolution, I have to say there's a devil. There's a devil who lies to us. And so the Father designed the creation, but it was the Son of God, the Word, Jesus Christ, who spoke all this into being. He spoke the Father's design into being. That's one reason he's called the Word. You just have to look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And I'm building up to something, but just look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, beginning in verse, oh, verse 3. And God said, the word there is Elohim, but here it means the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ himself, the Son of God. And God meaning here Jesus, the one we know as Jesus, the Lord said, let there be light. And in the darkness of creation, immediately there was light. He spoke and it happened. I go down to verse 9. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered into one place and let dry ground appear because the earth was all water at first. And here he created dry land. Now look at verses 14 and 15. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years and let them be lights in the expanse of the sky and so on. And at this point, most students of scripture believe the son of God spoke and created the sun, the moon, stars, Billions and billions and billions of galaxies, trillions and trillions and quadrillions of stars and how many planets and how many moons. The number is off the board. He spoke and they were. They came into being. This Jesus Christ, this Son of God, this second person of the divine trinity spoke. This word, this divine logos, this rational principle of the universe, if you want to call it that, spoke in bingo galaxies, stars, planets, moons, all in perfect order. This, this is the Son of God, 2 Corinthians 12. But that tells us he's in heaven called the third heaven. In other words, the heaven that God dwells in is, is, is even beyond his creation. It's way beyond his creation. And we're going to live there with him Sunday by faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, that's mind-boggling. And then I look at Colossians 1, one more, Colossians 1, 16 and 17. For by him, meaning Jesus, all things were created. Get that. By him, all things, all, everything was created. Things in heaven, things on earth, visible, invisible. That means the spirit world. Thrones, powers, rulers, authorities, that's angels and devils. All things were created by him and for him. Now look at 17. He is before all things, meaning he's uncreated. He is before all things. Now look at this. And in him, all things hold together. Jesus keeps the whole creation in perfect order. So things don't collide. Then you look at Matthew 24, and the Lord himself says he's going to gradually 
release that hold or grip on creation. And there will be disorders in the heavens. And unbelievers are going to be terrified. And believers will welcome the coming of the Savior. He is the Word of God. He spoke and it came into being. Back to John chapter 1. Jump down to verse 14. Just again, in the beginning was the Word. This, this, this creating Word. And then you jump down to verse 14. And the Word, and here's the great reduction. This Word of God became, you see that? Flesh. Wow. And made his dwelling among us. Now that's a very, very special word. He made his dwelling among us. Remember the Old Testament tabernacle where the Jews worshipped? The, 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 the literal Greek word here means he tabernacled among us. He literally pitched his tent among us. This beyond anything we can conceive of God came as a baby boy. And that astounds me when you think about it. And one more time, I just, just one more time, just consider this all-creating word. And just look at this one more time. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register for the census with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Now here it comes. While they were there, time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. Firstborn a son and wrapped him in clothes or swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Here's what I believe with all my heart, all my soul, and with all my strength. I mean, you got to get into this. I, I, I believe it, but I can't wrap my mind and my heart around this. How big to how small. From infinite to finite, consider that. From supernatural to natural. From living outside time as we understand time to coming into a world of time and taking a body, and becoming dependent on two people chosen by the Father Mary and Joseph. It is the great reduction. He allowed himself to be so reduced from the one who spoke, and instantly there were not billions, this is way beyond billions, of huge gaseous stars, sun like our own, suns like our own, to be reduced to something so small as an embryo in the womb of Mary. I don't know if that blows anybody else away. And Jesus depended, and we'll talk about dependence in a few minutes, on Mary and Joseph. And he was completely human, too. And I go to Luke chapter 252, because the Word of God says in Luke 252, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. In other words, he grew, he, he learned in wisdom and stature, he grew physically, and he grew in favor with God and men. And God entrusted him to Mary and Joseph. And I thought about moms and dads today. That is your greatest entrustment, moms and dads. Your children are your greatest entrustment to grow these kids spiritually in the Word of God, to grow these kids physically to provide for their needs, and to grow them in favor, in favor, in favor with both God and men. That's our greatest entrustment. So Jesus, the Son of God, the Word became flesh, and he depended on people. 
And I thought about that, and I thought to myself, if the Son of God made himself so dependent, I need to make myself dependent. On people, yes, but I need to depend on God, and so do you. And so today, let's look at what it means to depend, okay? Depend means, when you depend on somebody, what you're saying is, I don't have the time, I don't have the wisdom, I don't have the expertise, I don't have the ability, and I'm depending on you, I'm counting on you to bring this about. And see, when you depend on God, see, this sends a real message to God when you depend on God. You're sending God a message. You're saying, I can't, and you can, and I trust you. You're saying, you have perfect love for me. You have all power. You have all wisdom. You are perfectly righteous, meaning you are always right, and that's the message you're sending. And folks, I've got to tell you, the Father is so glorified when we approach him like that, when we depend on him. See, we depend on God. First of all, the first reason we, do, we depend on God is because, is because it gives him glory. And see, God's in the glory business. We depend on God because, because it gives him glory. I look at Mark chapter 10. In Mark chapter 10 and verse 46, then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples Together with a large crowd were leaving the city. A blind man whose name was Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, now listen to this. This blind guy, Bartimaeus, began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. This was his only hope. This guy was blind. And Jesus is coming into town. So he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now look at this, verse 48. And many rebuked him. Why, why, why should he even notice you, old blind man? Now look at this, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy upon me. See, Bartimaeus had nowhere else to turn. Jesus was his only, I mean his only hope, and he cried out to him. And see, that's where God wants, I know that's where God wants me to be, and that's where God wants you to be. Folks, listen, we need to get into God. We need to understand God. You got to understand God. Sometimes he won't take something away. He'll let something keep going on and on and on in your life until he gets you to that point where you cry out, oh, Lord, have mercy, and nothing's going to shut you up because there is no hope but him. And God wants to get you and me to that point like blind Bartimaeus. And he wants you and me to understand our weakness and his strength. Let me say that again. He, wa he wants us to get to the point where we understand our weakness and his strength. Now, one part of Scripture that I relate to personally is 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 8. And I go back to this a lot in teaching and preaching, too, in my own personal life. And every time I look at 2 Corinthians 12 in these particular verses, something new and fresh is there for me. It's about the thorn in the flesh that God gave to the Apostle Paul. And the Bible doesn't tell us exactly what that thorn in the flesh was. And I believe the Holy Spirit did that deliberately. He didn't tell you what Paul's thorn in the flesh was because, I mean, you guys are all going to have a thorn in the flesh. I'm going to have a thorn in the flesh. And it's going to be something different at different periods in our lives, but we all have this thing, and so God doesn't identify what that thorn is. So we can all relate to this. Now look at verse 8. Three times I pleaded with the Lord. Well, that's a very strong word in the Greek language. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, to take this thorn in the flesh away from me. But he said to me, listen, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is enough. Isn't that something? My, boy, folks, take this home. My grace is sufficient for you, 
For my power is made perfect, and that means complete. My power is made complete or made perfect in what? In your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Wow. And so Paul pleaded, take this deal away. And God said, no, my grace is sufficient. And here's memory work for today. Take this home. My strength is made perfect or complete in your what? In your weakness. Man, get a hold of that. I'll tell you how this applies to my life. And this is kind of personal. And you can write your own story here. But I'll look at this and I'll think about this and I'll say to the Father in prayer, I'll say, Father, there's so many lost people who just don't care about your son. And they think this life is it. And they live for the here and now or they live for their retirement. And there's so many hurting people. And these hurting people need to get strength. They need to get answers from your word. What they need is right here. Everything is right here. It's in your word. And then they can find the direction for their life. They can find meaning and purpose and answers. And we got to get this to them. And then there's vision. Things we should be doing that we're not. I say to the Lord, I'm not. And I'm not, I believe, believe me, I don't say this like I'm boasting about this. I, I, I say to the Lord, I am not sufficient to handle this. And what I'm saying is I'm weak. And you admit your weakness, folks, and, 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 and you're serious. I mean, I mean, this isn't a game you're playing with, God. I mean, you mean it. I mean, you're serious about this, and you've got to write your own story here. You understand and admit your weakness, and you surrender it. Now, when you surrender it, or you surrender to God, that doesn't mean you, 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 you just let go and let God. I don't believe in let go and let God. I think that happens maybe once or twice at very, very specific God-chosen instances in your life. Let go and let God doesn't work. You got you to get up and do something. And you got to give it your best. But if anything's going to happen, and this is what you know in your heart, if anything's going to happen, it's going to be him. It's all going to be him. I mean, you admit your own weakness like that, and you say, God, this is, this is bigger than me. This is more than I can handle. And I'm going to walk into this thing, and I'm going to do this thing, because this is where you have me, and this is what you called me to. This is what I pray. Everything you have to give me, I need. That's what you pray. And he will give you a sense of priorities. That, to me, is the big deal. That's the biggest deal for me. A right sense of priorities. What's first, what's second, what's third. That's a big deal. And God will arrange those. He'll arrange those in your heart. And then you've got to face some pretty difficult circumstances. And you need, you need, man, you need wisdom for that. You need strength for that. You've got to know when to talk and when to keep your mouth shut. I mean, you need all this for all that. And God will give it to you. And when you face these things and when you meet these things in your weakness, you know what this word of God is saying, man? You are the strongest. That's precious. Why? Because you are what? depending. What a way to think. You are depending on him. I mean, if he doesn't come through, I mean, this is your philosophy of life. I mean, I got so many gifts, but if you don't come through, ain't going to happen. That's how you think, depending on him. And folks, I got to tell you something, man, that flies in the face of our culture today. I mean, you start thinking and living like that. You are so unlike most people. You are strongest, listen, this has to be inside you. You are strongest when you're weakest because you're depending on him. 
you and me, we need to train ourselves. We need to train ourselves to think like this. When I'm weakest, then I'm the strongest until it becomes a way of life. And you got to see it work. And you're not going to see it work until you try it. I mean, you have to understand like Paul. I mean, it begins inside you, man. You got to understand like Paul. You got to understand your weakness. And I believe you got to be passionate and personal in prayer. And cultivate dependence and, and, let, and, and notice what's going on around you. Notice how God's working through you and, and let God work through you and say, this, this, this is God. You got to do that, see? And then, and then you can actually boast in your weaknesses. Let me read verse 9 again. Boy, when you get to the part where you can boast in your weakness, man, something great, something neat has happened inside you. Verse 9, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast, listen, I will boast more gladly about my weaknesses. How many do that in our culture today? I will boast about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. When you boast about your weaknesses, I cannot stand this. When somebody says, good job, and you say, oh, it's all God. Just boast about your God. And there's a way to do that, boast. You know what, God... Look what God did in my life. Look what he did. Look what he did. What a testimony. All those great testimonies. Look what God did in my life. One-on-one conversation. How often do you boast in your weakness and boast about your God? I said this kind of dependence flies in the face of our culture. I know it makes sense to most people that if you're a good person, salvation is automatic. You know, dependence, <laughs> dependence for salvation, it's automatic. Everybody goes to heaven. See, it's a given. Now, we're talking about dependence. So who or what are you depending on for salvation? Yourself? You know, everything is created to praise God. Does that glorify God, you know, when you depend on yourself for creation? No, of course not. God gets no glory when you say, I deserve heaven. Does God, see, life is about the glory of God. Does God get glory when you say, I deserve heaven? So God, I deserve it. I worked real hard. Give me my gift, okay? No, God gets, he gets no glory. But when you come depending, when you come helpless, when you come hopeless, see how this flies in the face of our culture? Helpless, hopeless, except for his grace, depending on the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. And here's doctrine, which becomes yours. His total righteousness becomes yours when you depend on him and just open your hand and receive the gift then God gets the glory. It's all about who gets the glory. John 1.14, the word, the logos, the creating word, became flesh and pitched his tent or dwelt among us quickly. Hebrews 2.14, since the children have flesh and blood, the children are you and me. Now look at this. He too shared in their humanity. He too shared in their humanity. And see, that's what it means. The word became flesh and dwelt or tabernacled or pitched his tent or hung out among us in this world among us. He knows pain. Folks rejoice and take comfort that God, I'm talking about God, knows you. Listen, there is no other religion whose so-called God knows them like our God knows us. Islam's God is somebody called Allah, who's a very nebulous idea. There is no God named Allah. He's just their name for the God we worship, but they, 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 they just mess him up so much. Buddhism has no God. See, Buddha was the great prophet of Buddhism. But I, I studied Buddhism a little bit, and they have no God. They have a condition or a state that you advance to called nirvana, and you get there by meditation. 
And you know, yoga is based on, 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 on Hindu Buddhist meditation. And so if you're into yoga classes, ladies, I would encourage you to get out. It's all Eastern mysticism. It all um, focuses on your inner self and dwelling on your inner self and the power within you to find peace and hope and joy and all that nonsense. So think about it, you know. No, I don't say think about it. Get out of it. Seriously, get out of it. Don't think about getting out of it. Get out of it. It's, it's, it's against the word of God, see? I mean, I mean, what a religion, huh? And then Hinduism, Hinduism's God is a cow, a rat, a bracelet, ugly little statue, anything they can call God. See, our God, the only God, the one true God shared our humanity. That's 2.14. That's Hebrews 2.14. I mean, probe the depths of that. Do you know what it means? Do you know what it means that, that our God shared our humanity? It means Luke 10.21. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. He was full of joy through the Holy Spirit. You know why? Because his disciples had just come back from a training mission. And his disciples were so pumped up, they came back and they said, look what happened. Look what we did. Look at all these lives changed because of what we did. And Jesus, man, he was pumped up for them. He rejoiced. I mean, that's precious. Our God knows, listen, this is the important thing. He knows what's going on inside you. That's the big deal. Inside you. When you see your child walk away from something they have no business being in, man, and they walk away from it and they have that strength. And what do you say? You say, yes, man, I did something right. God is most glorified and we are most blessed when we do depend on him. And that's something you got to work at. We've seen that he lived life and more than knows us, he gets inside us and he understands us and he relates to us and he cares about us. That's our God, the mighty creator. He knows and cares. And I pray these words are a blessing to you. Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School, 22505 26 Mile Road, just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.